Hey guys, my name is Nora Franch and welcome to the podcast, Grateful Blessed Mess, daily reflections for those in the 12 steps. I am a fellow 12-stepper and certified mindset coach, and I am here to introduce you to the value of mindset coaching in your 12-step journey. So if you feel like you are stuck in the steps, if you're slipping and sliding with your abstinence, mindset coaching may help you as it did me, and you can find me at catholicmindsetcoaching.com. These episodes are meant to invite you in to consider the truths of 12-step wisdom and to join in the very real struggle of living them in action. I hope that it feels almost like a mini meeting, and I invite you to contribute your own share on the Grateful Blessedness Facebook group to keep the discussion going. My comments are based on my own experience, so feel free to take what you like and leave the rest. But my hope is to encourage you on your own daily 12-step journey. As they say, you cannot stay clean on yesterday's shower. So without further ado, let's begin. Hey guys, we are in a day at a time. We are going to read the reflection for February 18th. We learn in recovery that we cannot punish anyone without punishing ourselves. The release of my tensions, even justified, in a punishing way leaves behind the dregs of bitterness and pain. This was the monotonous story of my life before I came to recovery. So in my new life, I'd do well to consider the long-range benefits of simply owning my emotions, naming them, and thus releasing them. Does the voice of my higher power have a chance to be heard over my reproachful shouting? Today I pray. May I avoid name-calling, ego-crushing exchanges. If I am angry, may I try to assign my anger to what someone did instead of what someone is. May I refrain from downgrading, lashing out at character flaws, or mindless abuse. May I count on my higher power to show me the way. Today I will remember to deal with anger appropriately. This was a big lesson for me to learn. I was someone who never had a voice, never spoke up, never thought to think about how I thought about something. Okay, I think deep down I I didn't want to feel angry or I always wanted to give someone the benefit of the doubt because that was less work for me. Okay, not for the right reason, but because I just didn't want to do the work to figure through something, to think through something in my mind. Then once I started to do that, I didn't like, I didn't know what to do with, with thinking someone's behavior was not okay. Like, how do I handle that? And for the first 20 years of my life, I never even got to that point. So I had no skills. I had no skills for figuring out how to actually address someone when their behavior was not okay with me. And, you know, emotionally and relationally underdeveloped is putting it lightly. And so then I started to find a voice. But then I was like way overusing it. And, you know, at first I felt justified, like, no, what you're doing is not okay. And you need to know it and you need to correct it and you need to hear how you're affecting me. That's part of what I learned in like therapy and what was suggested to me to read is like, or maybe it's just where I took it, (laughs) but it was like, oh, you're doing something wrong and, and I need to tell you how it's affecting me. 
And there's a way to do that kindly and nicely. That is not the way I did it. That is not the way I did it. It was it was downgrading. It was lashing out at character flaws and it was you know, verbal abuse sometimes where, you know, what is wrong with you that you would blah, 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 blah. Like, that's not, that's not how we talk to each other. That is not the proper way to talk to anyone, let alone someone who you love. And so this was a bumpy time in my personal growth and maturation as well. And, and now it's something that I, that I have to like, sometimes I'm still in the white knuckling phase where I'm like, just don't, like, I can't, I'm not developed enough to know how to handle this, but I know that's not the right way, so just bite your tongue. Or, you know, sometimes I'm able to just take it in. And that's what, that's what they suggest here. And that is incredible because this is another skill that coaching taught me. (laughs) And it's just a skill I didn't, I didn't, I didn't figure out how to learn in the rooms for some reason. So, to own your emotions, to name them. Did, did you know that naming something gives you power over it? Did you know that? Have you ever have you ever noticed that when someone's being like real snippy with you and they're like, I don't know, Nora. And you're like, ha, ah, stop. Don't take my, don't use my name like that. How dare you? <laughs> but they do it on purpose because it's like extra condescending, right? All right. Well, there's also something beautiful when people use your name. And like, now I'm going all <laughs> Christian on you, but like something that I keep going back to in the gospels is when Jesus rises from the dead and he's, he's Mary Magdalene doesn't recognize him and he goes, Mary. And every once in a while, I think of what it would sound like for like Jesus to say my voice. And I hear him go like, Nora, Nora. And the way he says it just like melts my heart. And like I can't wait for that day where I get to hear him say my name. That's going to be a good day. And so back to what I was saying, there is power over something when you use its name. And I have found this in my own emotional work because usually right off the bat intuitively, maybe I'm not necessarily able to name the emotion that I'm feeling other than good, bad, happy, sad, angry. I can kind of fire those out. But something that I've been doing is collecting my own like glossary (laughs) of terms, like a little emotional dictionary for myself so that I can better name what I'm feeling because that helps me work through it. That that eases so much of the tension. Like, like when I'm angry, something that I've learned is that there's always sorrow and hope that actually are underneath anger. So I'm angry because so-and-so did something wrong. Well, the, there's sorrow there. Like someone did something wrong and it hurt me or it hurt someone else. And that's not okay. And then there's this hope. And that hope is like hope for justice, that this wrong gets righted. And those are two good things. And so when I'm angry, I can, 
it slows me down to peel it back and be like, well, what, what, what am I upset about? What is making me sad here or sorrowful here? Like who or what got hurt? And once I can see that, I'm like, oh yeah, it makes sense that I'm angry about that. That's not okay. And what am I hoping can change here? And that's where the serenity prayer comes in because we're not always able to rectify wrongs. Even if we're right in naming something that was happened is not okay. Sometimes it's not within our control or we don't have the resources or the support to right a wrong. Or sometimes it's a perceived wrong. Sometimes the other person didn't even mean it or they, you know, or they're not here anymore and we're still angry about something. So what we can do there. What we can do there is say the serenity prayer. You say, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Sometimes we can't change a wrong that's happened. Sometimes we can't right it. The courage to change the things I can. Sometimes when we can change it, it's still really scary to have to get up there and put ourselves out there and, and start to do the things required for correction. And the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I don't want to spin my wheels fighting for something that just can't be or fighting reality. Okay, and I want to trust my higher power to let me know the difference because chances are I'm just, I, I don't have a good instinct for like when it's right to step in and when it's not because usually I think it's right to step in when I'm all worked up and I'm in my self-righteous you know, indignation of how dare you talk to me that way. And usually, usually that's the time, not the time that my higher power is asking me to step up, you know, because it's not clean. Okay. Because when I show up in that way, I end up wanting to put the other person down. I want to put them in their place. I want to let them know they did something wrong. And then I'm just as guilty as the other person of doing something wrong. And that's, that is what I've, you know, painfully come to realize as I'm scraping away at that archaeological dig of the interior life here is that, okay, I may now, now I'm finding my voice, right? I'm actually thinking about something someone did and I'm like, oh, I did not like that. That was not okay. And so now I'm actually aware that I think that's not okay. And then I had to get brave enough to like, speak up about that. But then when I started to speak up about that, I was just like way out of whack and angry and, and, and accusatory and like, Hey, that's not good either. So now that I've learned to speak, now I have to learn to dial it down and maybe not speak until I'm able to do so from a cleaner place, from a clean place of love, from a clean place of self-awareness, of knowing my part, knowing their part, and being able to approach them without shaming them, blaming them, or cutting them down. Because then I'm just as bad as they are. And I have no leg to stand on. And it's not that, you know, oh, I want to be, I want to be right because I want to be perfect. I want to do this the right way. No, it's that, it's that we want to love someone because that helps us stay recovered. Because that helps us keep our sobriety and our abstinence. Because when I act in a way that is unloving, that cuts someone down, that demeans them, 
even if we're right to point out they're wrong, deep within us, we become unsettled because we know that isn't that isn't right or good. So we have to be able to get in touch and own our emotions so that we can then show up as an emotionally recovered adult so that we can treat each other with respect because we love them and we want them to love us because that's what we're made for. And that keeps us in recovery because all of this stuff is wrapped in together. All of this spiritual stuff is good. And what is good? Recovery. Because that helps us show up the way we are made and intended to show up. And deep down within us, we know that. And so when we show up that way, we keep walking that happy road. Trudge the road to happy destiny. Okay, so I apologize if I confused you and got a little convoluted. (laughs) So reach out if you're a little confused. It gets a little more complex with the emotional stuff. But it is so important. Take care, guys. I pass. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you feel that mindset coaching could help you on your 12-step journey, please feel free to reach out and find me at catholicmindsetcoaching.com. But more than that, it's important to me to give listeners like yourself a place where you do not need to feel alone on your 12-step journey. And for that reason, I've created a Facebook group. It's called Grateful Blessed Mess. And it's a place where listeners can go to add their own commentary on the share for the day in addition to my own. And for us just to have a conversation or start a back and forth where people can find support in their 12-step journey. This is not a replacement for 12-step work. This is something outside of the 12 steps. It is simply something that has a heart for the 12 steps and those who are in it. And so welcome. If you are here, chances are you may also be a bit of a mess. And I hope that you can learn to find some gratitude in the blessings that have come from your messes.